Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Good morning, good evening, uh, or good afternoon, of course. Welcome to the Culture Matters podcast number 76. We have Jordan Ellington, or aka known as the Spanish Dude. Jordan went to Barcelona in Spain for the first time in the spring of 2000. He immediately saw tons of cured meats hanging from the ceiling and seafood with heads and legs sticking out everywhere. But he didn't try any of it. He didn't know what it was. It looked disgusting to him. Foreign. This memory haunts Jordan to this very day because now he's absolutely obsessed with Spanish ham. And the more legs, shells and guts there are in his plate, the happier he is. Jordan is not formally educated. He has a fluff degree, but no masters. No PhD, no specific area of expertise. Jordan is a traveler. And he spent many of his years in Latin America and Spain. He passes his days perfecting his Spanish, eating fun food and talking to people. Never about culture, but always about culture. Jordan feeds himself by teaching Spanish online. You might know him as the Spanish dude or El Gringo Español. He makes free videos on YouTube, then sells premium courses on his website. Jordan isn't trained formally as a teacher. He just teaches how he'd want to learn. And by the comments on Facebook and YouTube, it's clear he teaches how others yearn to learn as well. Uh, check out the video as well. Uh, the video he makes, but the video, the video cast of, of this podcast, which is available on YouTube as well. Go to culturematters.com slash YouTube and you'll get right there. And for us, let's get right to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, Jordan. How are you? Good morning. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Hola, que tal? Muy bien, muy bien. bien. Ah, ok, muy bien. ¿Qué haces ahora? Uh, estoy en Valencia uh -huh. muy bien. y me quedo con un amigo uh -huh. y me voy a una escuela de español para mejorar mi español. Ah, claro que sí. Muy bien. Yeah. So, before, before 50% of the audience comes from the United States... Um, listening to this podcast and watching the video cast as well. So before they switch off, let's go back to English because okay. otherwise they might, really, sure. uh, they might really get confused. I agree. Jordan, it's good to have you here. Um, we had some uh, some technical issues before in a recording earlier when you were in another country south of where you are right now. But before yeah. we get into all these technical details, why don't you tell us first a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from, where you currently are right now, and what would be your cultural frame of reference? I know that's a lot, so you can keep talking for a couple of minutes there. Okay. My name is Jordan, <laughs> and uh, we know each other because I teach Spanish online. Uh -huh. That's what I do for a living. I make Spanish videos teaching uh -huh. other English speakers how to speak Spanish on YouTube and then on my website. Uh -huh. And, um, yeah, I am... I'm a kind of a just a dude, man. I make my Spanish videos. I travel around. Right now, I'm in Valencia. Uh -huh. I came from Hong Kong, and before that, I was in Asia, Vietnam, and Japan for a couple months. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm a traveler and I'm a Spanish teacher and I'm just kind of like I actually just watched a couple of your episodes and uh, and I see that we kind of have the same look at things. I just enjoy learning things, getting a different perspective on the world in some way, whether it's learning something I didn't know before or whether it's replacing some thought I had because it was a mistake. Whether That could be trivial, like trying a new food in Hong Kong. Yeah. Or uh, meeting somebody that like blows my mind politically. Right. So yes, I've just spent the last uh, seven months traveling around. I was in Spain, and then the technical difficulties we talked about were in Morocco, I think. Yes. And then Vietnam. Yes. And then yes, Japan. yes, yes. But um, in my cultural frame of mind, did you say? Frame, uh, cultural frame of, frame of reference. In other words, have you lived in other countries? I mean, that's it's like a general question, really. But I right. think you okay. have. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, I'm 38, white, grew up in Florida. That says something right there. Right, in the, you grew you know, up in Florida there, yeah. Grew up in Florida. I was born in Ohio, but I moved to Florida when I was 11. So I basically am from Florida. Um, and then, yeah, I remember my uh, before my junior year, before my senior year of high school, so I'm 16, 17 years old, my parents sent me – I'm Jewish from a Jewish family. Mm-hmm. My parents sent me on this trip to Israel. Uh, for six weeks where you're with this group of other 16-year-olds and you're in a classroom a few days of the week learning about the history of Israel. And then the other few days, you went on field trips to actually go to the place that you had studied. Like, so if we see the story of Masada, we'd go to Masada, hike up Masada, do all that. And, um, And that was a big point in my life. But I remember before that trip, right before that trip, for no reason, we were, I was in New York City to catch the airplane and my aunt lived there. So the custom was all my siblings and I, we went and stayed with my aunt for a couple of days before our Israel trip. And uh, we were in some big bookstore and it was probably some famous bookstore that I just wasn't aware it was famous. And I went straight to the travel section. And even though I was going to Israel, I was like looking up European guidebooks. Yes. You know, so like, I just remember that as like a very early interest for no reason. I don't know what put it in my head, but I was really interested in the idea of like backpacking Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, for and no reason. You were 13, you said? No, I was 16, 16. 17. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that just sticks out in my head. I went to Israel, had an amazing time. Um, and it really affected my life because I had a group experience. I was with these these other kids from all over the country. And uh, it was just like a college dorm, basically. Like, you know, uh, you meet your friends, you get your cliques, you meet girls, you do things, you yep. know, get fights, all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, so um, that was my first real taste of it. And then fast forward to college, mm-hmm. I finally went on a backpacking trip where I got the three-month unlimited year rail pass and went through uh, Europe, Western Europe mainly, and uh, just had such freedom. When you have that pass, mm-hmm. you can just wake up in Italy, yes. go on the internet. The internet was around, but not as much as now. I've done that as well. It's really, it's a really great thing to, it still exists as well. Yeah. Yeah. It still exists. I still check it out. I haven't done one since then, but that was 15 years ago. I did that. I've been on so many trips since then. Yeah. And that was still, I'd say clearly my best trip with just the most freedom. It affects your decision-making when you have like unlimited train paths. You can just go across the continent two times in two days if you have to. Yeah. You know, it's nice. So you, you 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 do Spanish. You have an American accent. You're already told us you are originally from the United States. Yep. Um, and so, would you call yourself an enlightened American? Now, I mean that sounds very pompous, but I don't want to say that. <laughs> yes. But yes, I would. I would say like you know, I'd say 
it makes me I'm flattered when I hear often as I'm traveling around like, oh, you're not like most Americans. Uh-huh. It's not to be like I'm proud to be American in some ways mm-hmm. and I'm not in others. Um, but one of the ways that I'm not is that, yeah, it just comes with the context that we don't know anything about anything other than the little things in our lives, basically, right. like what's the way to be at school and blah, 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 blah. George Bush, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, exactly. nothing deep yeah. in that. You know? Yeah, it's a typical stereotype that if I ask people, you know, give me some stereotypes about the Italians, what comes up, the mafia and pasta, what comes up about stereotypes of the Americans, it's, well, they're always number one. And right. number two only distracts from number one, so why, folk, why look at number number two? Right. So, sure. And that's a stereotype that you maybe you potentially could have shaken off in the meantime. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's kind of like one of my biggest goals when I meet somebody on the road is to make sure that they know I'm not ignorant. You know, just because I'm an American, I feel like I get rid off, rid, yeah. written off for the first seconds. Yes. And hopefully I can convince them that, like, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's the coffee or whether it's politics, exactly. you know, that I'm not just, like, uh, extreme on one side or the other kind of yes. thing. <laughs> You're yeah. not the hamburger eating uh, McDonald's goer or something like exactly. that. Let me ask you a question. In yes. your country, in Belgium or in Holland, yeah. do they say, like, we are the best country? No. No, 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 no it's, it's the Belgians tend to not be as loud as the Dutch. The Dutch tend to have a louder voice. I mean, they're more verbal, if that makes any sense, in comparison to the Belgians. Uh-huh. Um, and to give you an example back, if that makes any sense, if you go to the Dutch army, which used to be a, a draft army, it's not anymore. It's a professional army. So I was drafted in in a hundred years ago, and uh, if the emblem, if you want, that's which is on your shoulder, and I'm showing it for, to the camera here, it, it's which has a um, it has a lion. And it has a lion and it has seven arrows. It holds seven arrows, this lion. The seven arrows signify the seven provinces of the Netherlands from the 17th century. So there's an an essence of equality there already within the country. So an egalitarian look already. Mm -hmm. And then underneath it says... um, uh, I will stand fast, or if I translate it to English, but it doesn't say so in Dutch. It says so in French. So it says so in French. Je maintiendrai. That's a horrible pronunciation. Je maintiendrai. That's a better pronunciation. And that means I will stand fast, something like that. So the way the Dutch identify within their army is actually using another language, a French language. Which I've always found really strange, you know. And if you ask a Dutchman, sing me the national anthem, they come with sentence one and that's it. Then they go hum, hum, hum because they don't know anymore. So whether the, I don't think the Dutch are the, are the proudest people of their country. I think Americans are by far prouder on the, by far more proud of their countries. Right. No, no, and that's and that's my perception too. Yeah. I just wasn't sure exactly what they said, even you know, exactly. Gert Wilders or what his crazy things yes, are. Yes, yes, yes. So it's in in the introduction um, that we've just heard before. Actually, you and I started talking. You say uh-huh. that you went to Barcelona for the first time in two thousand in the in in the year the spring of two thousand, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. saw like funny meats and stuff like that, and, yeah. and stuff you didn't recognize and was and and thought was scary, etc. Exactly. So what made you go to Barcelona in the first place? What was that? Why did you go there? And that's, it's actually, that was the first time I, I was seeking out a place for me to practice Spanish in real life because I was doing 
after that backpacking trip that yes. summer that I was talking about a minute ago, I ran into the streets with this girl back in my university by, by luck. Okay. And she had been at, at my university back in the United States. And she was doing what, what Europeans call Erasmus. We call it just study abroad. I think yeah. most of this. Time. And she was doing it in Harlem in the Netherlands. Uh-huh. And I was, we were in Amsterdam at the time. And so I went to her, uh, to her residence, which was this really nice church in Harlem that was kind of gutted out and made real modern into a dormitory and just saw her life as an Erasmus student in Holland. And, uh, I went back to school in Florida and changed my major so that I could do Erasmus and still graduate on time. So I did my last semester of university ever at Erasmus in, I lived in Sanford, which is outside of Harlem, basically on the beach in the Netherlands. And, um, and this was our first one week break okay. and Spanish for me started because I got to uh, Sanford and we were living in this residence uh-huh. with about 40 percent Americans, probably 40 percent Spanish people. And the other 20 percent was just random. Everybody from the rest of the world. And uh, I saw the Spanish. I was at the, I was with the Americans at first, basically, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. we spoke English. They spoke Spanish. Their English wasn't great. Our Spanish was non-existent. Uh-huh. And uh, I was just kind of living the American life. I had an American roommate. We were going to get McDonald's and pizza and whatever. And uh, and I saw the Spanish, yeah. in, which was the other large contingent in our residence. We had little rooms where there was two people in each room with a little kitchen. And then but the Spanish would each make like a piece of dinner or a piece of lunch in their room. And then at the end, all combine in one room, move all the furniture out of the way uh-huh. and have a big party dinner together. Not every night, but basically every night. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to be a part of that. Like, that looks fun. They had wine. They were dancing. They were doing music. And uh, so, yeah, so that kind of started my whole Spanish thing right there. Uh-huh. And I, I was walking with this girl, Anna, and I couldn't communicate with her one day. And I just said, you know, I have enough. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn Spanish this semester. And that's when I started learning Spanish. So Barcelona was just the first week off we had where I could like, I was like really going crazy with the Spanish for a few months there. And, um, that was the first time I could go to Spain and practice. Okay. With, so, you know, I was practicing with my friends in the residence, but. but, but did you have any, any specific objective other than speaking the language? Maybe this is a silly question. But why Spanish? Yeah. You know, it Spanish just fell in my lap. I remember in college, even though I was a business major, we had no foreign language requirement, okay. but I took Hebrew for fun of it. So I took, I went, I never did early classes. I never did classes in classrooms. I did most of my business classes on the internet, but for some reason, even though I was kind of a lazy student, I still felt the drive to go take 10 credits of Hebrew, which is Hebrew five days a week in the morning. Uh, so I did Hebrew one and Hebrew two and just for fun, like I didn't need it. I wasn't going to use it ever really, but I just had that interest. Then when I went to Holland, I remember being super excited about learning Dutch. There was just something very exciting to me and Dutch proved to be very hard to learn, both with kind of a difficult language and everyone speaks English. Sure. But, uh, but then Spanish just presented itself to me. It was a use, it was easy to rationalize because I had all these people that looked really cool in this residence. Yeah. I actually had a Spanish girlfriend in that dorm in that semester, but I started like, I dedicated myself to Spanish before that. I think, I don't know. So I switched out my roommate. It just became like my social circle. And I used that as my motivation is to communicate with them because they couldn't speak that great of English. Like a couple of them was able to have a conversation in English, Uh but most of them not. So like the only way to communicate with them was English or Spanish and their English wasn't getting better. So like, I just kind of, I don't know. I just got a bug up my butt. And I dedicated myself 100%. I learned, it changed my life actually, because I was never a good student. I never knew how to learn. I never learned anything. Um, so that was the first time I sat down for, 
I don't know. It made, I think it was four months, five months. It was, a, it was a long semester. And um, just like dedicated myself with discipline to learning Spanish. And it was the first time I had done something like that. So I was like, oh, I could I don't remember how specific I was back then, but now I know like I could apply that same vigor to anything, whether it's learning how to code to make a website that I need to for my business or whatever it is. I can learn almost anything that's not crazy complicated in three or four months if you really focus, 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 yes. you know? Yeah. Is it, are, you, are you as dedicated as Tim Ferriss? As Tim, oh no, definitely not. I'm way. I mean, honestly, I don't know what his day to day is. Yeah. But no, I mean, like, I would say, like, there's moments where I am more, but those are just moments. It's like those are like you, you know, when you have your super focused moments. I go in phases. Right now, I'm on an off phase. I've been traveling for six months. I haven't been working much. But for the three or four years before that, I was. I hate to like just make up numbers. I wasn't. I didn't have a timer, but I'm sure I was working. 80 hours a week for four years. Like my answer was no, 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 no. Whenever anyone asked me to do anything, yeah. I was super, super focused until the business got going. Yeah. Um, now I'd say I'm kind of lazy. Right. Yes. Okay, cool. It's it's interesting because uh, my uh, trigger to get in touch with you is my own dedication to Spanish. Um, I've been trying to trying to learn Spanish for I think the last thirty years or something. Okay, okay. I mean, start, stop, start, stop, and if you stop, I, it's it's gone. If you don't use it, you lose it. So is it is it? But it, does it come back for you when you go? Because I think like it takes so long to learn a language. Yeah. You know, that like I think like society has this program, whether it's the Rosetta Stone in America, we have Rosetta Stone is the big Spanish program, but whatever it is, learn Spanish in three months, even just talking to people. The idea is you could go study abroad and if you live with a family and really immerse yourself in three months, you'll be fluent. And it's just not true. I started 15 years ago and I just enrolled in a Spanish school here in Valencia because my Spanish is still embarrassing. Yeah. You know, so it's it's it is a journey. And so if it's a journey that's so long, I have it in my head that it has to be kind of start and stop yeah. so that when it start, you can go at it, you know, but, but usually I find that it doesn't disappear though, that it comes back. It disappears a little bit. I'm always rusty when I don't use Spanish after a little while, uh -huh. but it comes back, you know? Okay. Fair enough. It's, it's, I just come back. I just, yesterday, I just came back from a, uh, yesterday we're recording this on February 22nd for the, for those people listening in the future. Um, I came, just came back from a 10 day trip to Guatemala indeed to learn Spanish uh, wow. Which was a total immersion. Well, total, total is a big word because English is such just, I, I mean, I'm native Dutch. Second language would be English. I don't even think, you know, when I speak English, it flows out and every word of Spanish I need to translate, which is horrible and I hate it. Right. So I did a five days, five hour per day, uh, class. And then in Antigua, Guatemala, which I'm sure you know, being yes. from the, from the US there, um, that's so tiring. And indeed, all these, these websites that claim, you know, learn, learn any language in three hours or three weeks. It's total, total BS. It's, it's, it's not total BS. Yeah. It's total BS. Yeah. So what, what would be your level of Spanish at this moment? If you, you're, are you aware with the, with the European level of languages? I am not, I'm, you know, I know that they exist. That's it. No, <laughs> I've never done anything formal like that. So they sent me over a test. To go to this school, they give you a test at the uh -huh. beginning to see what level you're at. Yes. And uh, and I have a weird – I've always – I've done these schools a couple times, and I've always been difficult to place. Now, this this one didn't take their time to, like, really place it. The other ones I were at were at really small and uh -huh. kind of intimate. This one's more of, like, a business with a lot of people there. So they didn't take their time. But they sent me over these tests, and I know that, like, I didn't use this. I don't know exactly when to use the subjunctive. Okay. I don't know – 
thing really past the present subjunctive. Um, my vocabulary is limited. So like I talk very well, I can speak very well. Um, I have some, I still have like a lot of problems understanding some people and, uh, but my grammar, I never really learned so formally other than that time I spent in Holland 15 years ago. So the grammar that they're presenting in the classes is still awesome and helps me a lot. And for those videos, I have to prepare a lot for those videos. Yes, yeah, I can. I was going to ask you about that as well. I have a web a type, um, a, a tab open from you, which is the double. Where are you? Uh, there, a reflexive verbs I'm looking at here, and the other one I have open is the double object pronouns. I mean, that's just it's that's heavy stuff. If I it is, um, I think reflexive. It gives us trouble because, like, we don't use it that much, but it's actually quite simple. And double object pronouns are indeed super hard. Just they're like, hard. The, and I, I spent a week getting getting to um, to know the uh, el preterito. Okay. Yes. And so, and that's that's the it's the past tense for the English speakers, or a past tense because they have fifteen yeah. tenses in um, in Spanish, which makes it, of course, a little bit more difficult to learn, as uh, as as English is. That is, Spanish is the most learned language, second language for Americans. Any reason why you think that is? Um, I mean, I, I'd say just because it's the most useful to us. We have so many Latino people, so many Spanish-speaking people in our country that it's really the only one that you have on an everyday basis uh-huh. any Use. real possibility of running into. Yeah. 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 And and even though I love Spanish and speak Spanish and live in Florida, people always say to me like, oh, that's why you speak Spanish. And no, like I've gotten almost, <laughs> whenever I'm in Florida, it's almost zero practice. I live in Orlando, Florida. It's not a Spanish world. All no. the signs are English. Everybody speaks English. We definitely have a lot of Latinos, but most of them speak English. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess that's true. You talked about your videos. How long does that? Because that's that's um, there will be a mention on the on the the article, the uh, blog post as well. But where can people find you? Just because I will, we'll talk about videos in a moment. You're the Spanish dude, right? I am the Spanish dude. So you can find me everywhere, just as the Spanish dude. If you wanted to find me on Facebook, it's Facebook.com/slash the Spanish dude. Sometimes it has a the. I'm SpanishDude.com. No matter what, SpanishDude.com has all my videos. But if you just went to Google and typed in the Spanish dude, if you want my Instagram or my Twitter or my whatever, it's it'll come up. It's all there. Yes. And uh, I must say, you act, and I'm looking at the video here because we're recording the video of the of this podcast as well. Your acting is acting quote unquote. I'm making air quotes here. Is is pretty much the same as in your. Uh, in your professional videos. Oh yeah. Well. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, the only thing that's different, of course, is what you do in your videos is that you, you make a lot of cuts. So there's a lot of right. cut, 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 cut. There. So, so talk about your videos. If people want to check that out, go to SpanishDude.com. How long does it make to produce a video like that? Like a 10 minute video or something? Right. You know, at first it was taking me, it's weird. But I know, I don't, I don't know what I was, why do you start something like this? If you don't expect success, but in some way I wasn't expecting success. I wasn't expecting people. I didn't know if I was good or anything. So the first videos, I was just kind of, I wasn't researching them really well. I wasn't checking them over well. well. There's a couple embarrassing mistakes, but, um, but I was making, I remember releasing three a week, which means I was making three in a week. Um, a week now, but they were, I was new. I wasn't taking my time. Yeah. I think the quality wasn't quite as high, but I think the big variable is they were about simple things. And I started with stuff that like, I started making the videos because I had these Spanish ideas, right? Like I see these connections to the English speakers. I, I think that's why people like my videos specifically uh-huh. is the angle to take about things. And uh, I had these 
these things in my head for years because I've been studying Spanish for 15 years. And so I've said them to people in past and they're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that works. And so for the first like five, six videos, I already knew exactly what I was going to say. Right. Then it was like, OK, what do they need? <laughs> you know, what's next? OK, I got to go like see what's going on there. And so now the latest videos have been kind of complicated. I was doing poor versus para, which for people that haven't never studied Spanish is one of the hardest things for us is to uh -huh. choose. They both mean for in yes. English. And it's hard to choose whether to say poor or para, you know, and for me, too, my, I'm, I'm with my friend Manuel. And it's like you always get it wrong say before, after gracias. Right. Like it's just one of the rules. It's like gracias por algo. Yeah. Gracias por something. And uh, and just yesterday, for some reason, I'm talking to him and I said, para, para something. And he's like, por. And I'm like, ah, not you know, it's, it's not ingrained in my head enough yes. yet. But um, so uh, I forget where we we're going. How long the videos, producing the videos would take? Oh, yeah, that's right. So these last ones, they're quite difficult. That's a difficult subject. So there have been there have been times where these videos, how prepositions work. That took me a month, man. Like I wrote really? this. I write the script because uh -huh. it's hard. It's hard to get like I look at the subject like, OK, how prepositions work? How do prepositions work? I remember if I, I haven't it's been a, quite a while since I made that now. It's been like six months. Mm -hmm. But if I recall correctly, I looked up I looked up the details about how prepositions work. Just in English. What's a, pre what's a prep preposition for those of you who a preposition is like those little words that are kind of like connector words, I call them. They're like to and from and about And there's probably like 15 real ones and there's combinations. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, but they're all from those of and to and about. So uh, I looked up how they're working and I, and I saw that there was maybe eight kinds of prepositions. So I look at them and I'm trying to figure out what my angle is. I was a genius because I saw that they're out of the eight. Three or four of them are basically the same. So if I make that one, there's really four. So I made this whole video, scripted it, shot it, edited it. And my editing takes a long time mm -hmm. um, and had it all done. And I just like wasn't feeling great about it. And I took a walk around a lake and I was thinking about what I had just shot. And I was like, oh, OK, the angle is prepositions basically work exactly the same in Spanish as they do in English, like 90% of the time. Yeah. It's just that the 10% is what's getting all of our attention. Right. So let's focus on that 10%. That's the trick right now. That's how prepositions work. And then I made follow-up videos to get more specific, mm. but I showed lots of examples, if I recall correctly, of both of all of them working the same. Right. Yeah. So in, in this, in, in time span, this took a really long, long time to sort of, to sort of, grow in your mind as well and then producing as well but like like an average one like uh, the one i just mentioned for instance the double object pronouns how long did, did that yeah. take to make yeah i don't remember specifically because it's been a couple of years now but that was again a very complicated one yeah so i'd say that probably took me a week or two at least at least a couple of weeks you know you yeah. don't see that you don't see that when you watch the video as such so right Being being an American, have yeah. you? I'm I'm going back to the cultural thing as well because this is the Culture Matters podcast and not sure. the Spanish Dude podcast. So, um, being an and American, that's, and that's my favorite. Spanish culture for me. And so, like, culture is my actual passion. I would okay, say. Okay, good, good, good. That's why you're here as well, I guess. I hope. Sure. Um, being an American, have the, the fact that you've traveled so traveled so much. Have you grown to see the United States differently? with all the travels that you've done and possibly also the fact that you are able to speak another language which, mo which most Americans can't. 
Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I have for sure. When the second you travel as an American, you hear a lot of negative stuff. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was uh, younger, 15 years ago, after Holland, I went to Spain and, and did schools and stuff like that. And I remember being it was right before 9-11 and right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. I went home for that period of time. It was that period of time. The Intifada was flaring up and. Mm-hmm. America and Europe were kind of at odds with each other, I'd say, politically. The Iraq war was looming. Afghanistan was happening. And so I was in these schools where, like, all you do is talk all the time, basically, to practice Spanish. And uh, I remember being like, rah, 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 American, and just just saying ignorant stuff and, you know, having – hearing a lot of perspectives that I had never heard before, basically. Uh And and then I went into, like, the – Boo, America's bad. Boo, America's bad. I kind of like jumped on the bandwagon. Where can I hear about the bad a lot? And talking about the bad is what most Europeans like to hear about. But yeah, like traveling abroad, you hear that kind of stuff. But also I feel like uh, like you're, you seem like an entrepreneurial guy. But I would say generally speaking, it's much rarer to meet an entrepreneurial European than it is the American. So like that proud thing that we were talking about, yeah. it's silly. It's silly. It makes me cringe when somebody, whether they're a politician or a friend or anything like that, says we're the best country in the world, and like that might or might not be, it just depends on how you look at it, and the person saying it has never left the country or only knows one country, and I've been to all these countries, and I've stayed for months in some, but I would never say that I know how life is there to compare to my life in America that I know so well. Um, So that stuff makes me cringe, but that same pride leads leads to some good things too like i think it's kind of cool that we're pride that we like we're over, we're like so optimistic about things and we do we build businesses and i know it's like cliche to like point out the stars of like google and facebook and all that stuff but there is this entrepreneurial spirit in the united states mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of it has to do with that pride yeah. you know whether it's over optimism or just optimism or whatever it is you know um yeah Oh, it's true. Is, is this is it something you would advise to all Americans being able to step outside of your country and then look at your country? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, like for me, I think everybody should have every perspective that you could possibly get. I mean, it's, there's infinite, so it's impossible to actually do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're, you know, if, if you've been somewhere for I think it's great to travel and yeah. do anything. I mean, the more perspective you have on life, the the more accurate your opinions are. The better yeah. and the richer you will get is, uh, yeah. as, as such, yes. True, true, true. Would you would you consider it's, uh, I'm, I'm going back and forth a little bit on the topic of culture and language, but but I think language is more than words and language also expresses, has a strong uh, link to the, the culture as such. If I listen to um, Spanish music, which I which I do, because it's it is a way to, again, you know, be confused confronted with the with the language again would you say that spanish as a language is a very poetic language more so than english um i'm not the best person to ask because i don't look at it that kind of way but yeah i do i would say that that's a that's i i can't compare it to other languages but yeah to me it does seem more poetic uh-huh. but foreign things always seem more exotic uh-huh. so i don't know if i'm being fair or not you know but uh but yeah if somebody said to me that they surveyed people that like somehow they were of English and Spanish was both 
the foreign languages for that person. So they yeah. came from Asia or something. And, you know, and, and that was the overwhelming response that Spanish was more poetic. I would say, okay, that yeah. makes sense. That's that good. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 I always thought to make rhymes, it would be easier because the words have all these special endings. Yes. So, but I've never tried to like write a poem. So maybe that's why like all the words and can, there's a lot of, well, it seems like more options in Spanish to make things rhyme. Maybe that's mm-hmm. an idea for your, for your videos as well. Yeah, no, it's true. It's so true. There's something it's with rhyme because I mean, with that's how we earlier on. I mean, in the mid, middle ages, in the, the medieval times, we were able to remember stories because they were actually read to us in rhyme form, so we could memorize them better. Um, sure. you, no sure. doubt you're aware, aware of this Keoraes video. These the couple of videos out there. Um, I actually don't know what you're speaking of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't right. think so. It's something I'm, I'm going to put a link in the uh, in the show notes for this uh, for this podcast. Explain it. I'm have seen it and just not known the uh, name. It's, it, just Google it. And just Google qué hora es. In other words, what time is it? And it's a it's a it's a silly video. It must be old. It's I think it's from the 80s or something, um, because it's still shot in four to three ratio. And uh-huh. uh, this it's a short video explaining how a couple of people having had three weeks of Spanish in high school are speaking Spanish to each other. So, and it's, it's like dos cervezas, por favor, in 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 the very American accent way of speaking Spanish. That's awesome. And it's 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 That's really cool. it's okay, hilarious. It my Spanish teacher here in Belgium actually showed this, and um, I've showed it to my Spanish teacher in Guatemala as well, and she thought it was uh, it was hilarious. Um, so I've also mentioned you, by the way, as a uh, as a source for learning learning Spanish. Thank you very much. Really? Thank you very much. My pleasure. What is in in stock for the Spanish dude? What is in in? So you're back in Spain. How long are you going to be there for? I'll be I'll be in Spain till March 28th. I go back to Florida on March 28th. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, you know, the future is just kind of more of the same. I'm just, I feel like I'm just getting started. I really intend to map out the entire language of Spanish. So, and right now I'm kind of working on, you know, little pieces of grammar at a time, Uh but I have ideas for hundreds and hundreds of videos and and then there's comprehension. Bit of a hiccup in the connection here, but it's, we'll uh, travel and there's different countries. All right, so there's there's enough ideas in stock for you there to continue for some time. Yeah, I think so. I think like I really, I mean, I feel I feel an obligation to get stuff out there. People are always asking me for like a course on this or a video on that, and uh, and I don't have it. And I would love to be able to just make this stuff instantly. But like I said, like I really take my time with the videos. Like get the right angle to boil it down uh-huh. is the most important thing. And uh, so it takes time. So these courses take time. So I really wish I could make them faster. And I need to get more. I need to improve as a businessman and hire somebody to do editing for me. And, right. and so I can make more videos and things like that. But, and that's my plan to do that. But yeah, I really feel like an obligation, like for the next three to five years, this is what I'm doing no matter what, even if something new and shiny comes along, like I'm sticking with this just so I can get, you know, not every single nook and cranny of Spanish covered, but pretty much, you know? Okay. Pretty good. Excellent. 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 All right. Last two questions, Jordan, please. Um, yeah. One is the easy one. One is the more difficult one. The more difficult one, I'll give you some time to think about that. Uh, give us three tips to become culturally, to become more culturally competent. And the second, the last question would be how can people get in touch with you? So okay. now you've had your time to think about the three tips. Okay. So I'll give you the three tips first yes, right please. now. Okay. Okay. I would say the number one. Uh-huh. Like no matter how knowledgeable you are about something, you're always 
inaccurate, meaning there are different ways to look at something all the time. And so just instead of looking, I remember at some points in my life, I was looking out and some people I travel with these days are always looking out for ways it's better where they come from. Whereas meaning they're kind of like, I'm right, you know, and I'm always looking for ways it's cooler in other places. And, uh, and it's just fun to compare and contrast. I have this video idea actually to do better or worse. Like I find things that I think are better than from where I come from. And I find things that I think are worse where I come from just to have fun and then ask the audience. Okay. But, um, but uh, it's just, yeah, it's really fun to figure out how you're wrong about something, to get a paradigm shift, to get a different perspective of something, whether it's a food, you know, assume you're wrong. Don't assume you're right. Yeah. Um, to get a cultural perspective. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Um, say Yes. You got to say yes. When somebody asks you if you want to take a coffee, when somebody asks you if you want to come over for dinner, when somebody asks you if you want to go see a waterfall, if you say no, you're not going to have any experiences that kind of get you in the way of these, that get you in the path of where the yeah. cultural perspective comes from. Um, and you're thinking, right? There's no, there's no hiccup. You're, you're thinking hard. Yeah, there's no hiccup. I'm thinking. I didn't even, I, didn't, I had to think of the second one on the spot. Now, third one. Cultural perspective. To become more culturally competent. What have you done? Have you learned in your travels is something that, you know, if I do this, I'll, I'll blend in or I understand it faster. Okay. Better. Yeah. I mean, I would say, okay. Yeah. I would say the most influ one of the most influential things for my cultural was, was discovering the economist magazine. Okay. I don't know if you read it or know it. I, I, I read it every week. Yeah. Do you? Okay. I'm in a, I mean, anyone who knows me. Yeah. will immediately talk about certain a few different things and then within the first few not even the first 10 would be the economist i, I just really love it i discovered it when i was in uh, belize uh -huh. 15 years ago i was on some there's this old like rain tattered economist and i was just amazed they were doing a survey they called it back then now i think that's called a special report uh -huh. but they were doing a, a long piece it was like 20 pages on germany and i was used to this like rah, rah, rah. this was back in the 15 years ago that i was talking about uh -huh. with the Afghanistan, Iraq, all that stuff. Yeah. And I was just amazed that they were like, they were going at Germany. They were kind of criticizing Germany. Yeah. Germany, but then they were all talking section. Then they would go back to criticizing it. It was just kind of the both sides of it. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I was like really addicted to it. And ever since then, I'm not going to say I haven't missed a week because I've missed some weeks in the no. 15 years, but very, very few. Yes. I think it's an excellent magazine. Very, very few. I, I love you. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's <laughs> great. I mean, and, and, and travel. We're and, and we're hicking, we're hicking up a little bit, so therefore the conversation is a bit back and forth, or we're missing each other in sync there. Um, but indeed, the Economist is a great magazine. Uh, I get it every week on my iPad, which uh, which in addition you can also do the audio file, which is I think is a great service as well. Sure. So yeah. you were just saying, Jordan. I was saying like the Economist is great in combination with traveling uh -huh. because it, it's what like it's kind of like the inform I just kind of view the world from what they give me. You know, every week it's kind of like an update on what's going on on the world. And so no matter who I meet, where they're from, I have something to start the conversation with other than the food I just yes. learned about, you know, um, and uh, and to get people talking. So it's really help. And then they, and I say like, hey, this is what I read. Tell me you know, yes. what you think differently. And um, and it's a great way to travel. It's a great way to meet people when you're traveling. Yes, yeah. excellent. Good stuff. Jordan, where can, people, where can people reach you if they want to uh, reach out to you or find you? I am the SpanishDude.com and all the information is from there. If you wanted to send me an email with uh, anything you have to say from this interview, you can just go to Jordan at SpanishDude.com. But uh, Google me, SpanishDude, Facebook, YouTube is my big thing. And uh, and. Email me any Spanish questions you have. All right. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Might actually end up in giving me private lessons, so be careful with what you say there. 
I don't do private lessons. Okay. I don't do private lessons. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Right. But maybe I'll make an exception for you. I would make an exception for you. We'll try it out. We'll try okay. it out. All right. I'll be in Spain in a couple of weeks' time, going to Malaga for uh, for for a little over a week. So um, if you're around by any chance, you'll pop in for a beer. Okay, that'll be very cool. That'll be very cool. Excellent. Thanks, Jordan, for the interview. The Spanish dude.com. You can find everything there in the show notes as well. CultureMatters.com. Jordan, I'm sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Muchas gracias. Muchísimas gracias. Nada, amigo. Adios. Adios. Hasta luego. Thanks, Jordan, again for the uh, for the interview. Gracias, muchísimas gracias. That was um, that was good. It's good to see you, and it was good to talk to you as well. Thank you for the tips as well. Check out those tips as well, and you can go to culturematters.com. Check out the podcast and the uh, the uh, blog post, the article that goes with this podcast, and of course the video. Again, if you like what I do with this podcast, then of course a rating in iTunes or Stitcher, uh, preferably in iTunes, would be wonderful. Thank you in advance for that. The more ratings and the more good ratings of course i um, i receive for this podcast the more people will be exposed and are able to download and possibly benefit from this podcast thanks for listening i'll be back in two weeks time with another guest take care talk to you then bye bye that's it for this episode the culture matters podcast helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences